If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Yes, uh, that's a very good re- report you put because people uh, went ignorant to the uh, uh, coronavirus and uh, still they're going shopping and uh, still they don't observe their six feet um, or ten feet uh, uh, away from each other, then they will have to die alone. And, and, and that ignorance is the belief, my friends. And, and, and that's what's happening in North America. Why, uh, three months ago, we had only five cases. Now we have 300,000 cases, plus uh, over 9,000 people died right now. And uh, the number of killing, uh, the, I mean, number of deaths are ni- closer to 9,000. So why? Because people are ignorant, my friend. People are uh, just say, oh, uh, coronavirus is fake, or coronavirus is, uh, you know, uh, hoax, etc. But that's not right. Coronavirus is real as what you see, and it will get. Uh, uh, we call it the devil virus, actually, because uh, it has been mutated o- already over uh, eight thousand times, because. You know, uh, scientists in Iceland report that they already found 40 mutated uh, genes of this virus. Uh, it was two weeks ago, around two weeks ago range. But now it's 8,000. What's going on, people of the world? Saggy Kessitabinga here, live and direct from Los Angeles, California, Southern Cal, West Coast, and all that good stuff. Praying that all you all are doing very well out there, that you're safe and sound, that everything is going okay with you and your family. Or if you have no family around you, that you're checking in with your family. If it's just you, that you're taking care of yourself. Check on your neighbors. Check on your fellow neighbors who are of, of advanced age, if you want to say that, what have you. But please, whatever you do, if you have to stay inside, stay inside. If you have to go out, make sure it's for food. Make sure it's for medical supplies. Make sure it's for whatever necessities you need to take it day by day to get by through the day. Make sure your food's stocked up, your toiletries are stocked up, your kitchen is stocked up. Make sure everything you need is stocked up for yourself, all right, because we are definitely in some crazy times these days. So I wanted to come back to you all. I actually did a show yesterday on this very topic, but the reception was so horrible, and I didn't realize until one of our callers called in and mentioned that to me, which I definitely appreciated. He was an older gentleman who I spoke with. Um, I'm trying to actually remember, around 7 o'clock, I wasn't able to get his name. I wanted to, wasn't able to get where he was from. I wasn't able to get where he was calling from, but I wanted to make sure I gave him some love for his time. So that's the gentleman you heard whose voice opened up this segment. Uh, hopefully he heard it. I wanted to give him a shout-out. Much love, and thank you for tuning in at that time. I'm sorry that we weren't able to have an actual conversation because, again, the reception on our end was just horrible. What's happening is that with all the people staying home, the broadband usage has increased dramatically. So a fellow of my fellow, fellow of my fellow, uh, quite a few of my fellow blog, blog talk casters or blogcasters or bloggers, what have you. And even some of my friends who have shows on YouTube have corresponded with me saying that they've had a massive challenge getting online, getting on, uh, getting to be able to do anything for the most part. 
it has been a challenge for them because the technology is just being overwhelmed. Even the gentleman at Khan's Academy himself had talked about how he notices that the server usage on Khan Academy itself has increased by about 240%. So he's actually asking people for donations to help pay for the server usage because it has exploded. We have distance learning here, distance learning there. We have schools kicking out laptops. I know where I, it's where I teach. We've given out, the school has given out about 300 Chromebooks over a two-day period. Each day was separated, and you only had two hours to come pick it up, so hopefully that um, helped students. This whole situation with the COVID-19 has actually exacerbated the, the digital divide. I actually spoke with this. I conversed with this with my students several years ago when I had my law students write essays about the digital divide, what they thought could make a difference, what they thought could change this whole paradigm of what's been happening. And it's sad to see that even years later, I'm actually moving our microphones because we're actually by a window so we can get better reception. <laughs> so thanks for your patience. So if you hear some unusual movement in the background, that's what you're hearing is me actually moving the mic so we can get a better reception in terms of a broadband so how y'all doing out there? How y'all holding up? Because, you know, I wanted to show, let's just get right into it, right? It's facts of fiction. People are dying, business profiting. It's not the end of the world, but it feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. So these are crazy times. Everyone is suspicious of each other. Store shelves being stripped bare of toilet paper, Purell, rice, and eggs. What is the cause of all this? Fear. Now, it's very interesting that in the midst of a, a zombie outbreak or the end of the world outbreak, outbreak or extinction outbreak, no one's ever thought that toilet paper would be essentially the number one item that would disappear off the store shelves. So we'll get to that in a moment. So the coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19, is now a global pandemic, and as a result, social distancing, essentially what that means, remaining six feet from each other, is being emphasized to prevent the virus from spreading. Yet because the testing for the virus seems to be inaccessible to the everyday person, which is very interesting because you always hear about celebrities are getting tested. You hear about politicians are getting tested. You hear about these other people that have access to wealth are being tested. Yet when you look on TV, you see everyday people, the lay person, the lay woman, the lay man, the person that has a 9 to 5, the 24-7 that work at night, work in day, work in the morning, work all day, all week, all night, every day, are lined up down the road trying to get access to get testing. Yet every week you find out this NBA team has tested four people have tested positive. This NHL team has tested, we found two people positive. This NFL team has tested. It's, it's, it's really sad because now you're seeing the economic disparity when it comes to act, you know, access to health care or health insurance or what have you may be. I'm not going to get into that right now. This health care for all or Medicare for all, that's for another show we're going to talk about because there are certain, certain dynamics of it that are good and there are certain dynamics of that proposed that are horrible. So let's continue on with here, all right? So, yeah, because of the testing for the virus seems to be inestimable to the everyday person, it's hard to tell how many people actually have the virus. So it's not a coincidence that the numbers of the infected continues to grow exponentially in some area, areas to the point that many governors have ordered a stay-at-home or given a stay-at-home order. It's not, I believe, I believe that's one step from a shelter in place, which means you can't come out. So President Trump even considered imposing a quarantine on parts of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. So check it out. I have a question for you. Was this all foreshadowed in the 2011 thriller, like Contagion? Is there, go, I believe that's the number two movie uh, streaming on Netflix, if I have that correctly, or is that Amazon Prime? I believe it's Netflix. And we'll talk about Amazon, what, what Jeff Bezos has been doing lately to some of his work, especially the one that's been fired. But we won't get into that right now. We want to stay on topic, right? As they say in Star Wars, stay on target. So anyway, but listen, whatever you can, don't hoard the toilet paper. Again, don't hoard the toilet paper. 
what's going on with that is that it's not that people are using more toilet paper at home. Well, they are now. It's this that because people are going to work, they're using the, the uh, restrooms at their place of employment or the place of school where you know they are in the dorms. So essentially, since they don't have access to those restrooms, they have to use more often the the restroom they have at home. So what you're seeing is people buying toilet paper that would they would have used anyways at their place of employment, place of res, uh, place of uh, of education, or what have you. So I want to I want to break off a couple of video sound clips here, and I've listed them in my description at the bottom where you'll see. Well, one, if you want to see a current live update of the outbreak across the country, you can actually click on Live Coronavirus Pandemic Real-Time Counter. It's a world map. It has news. So should if, in the event that it is actually as accurate as it proclaims to be, you can see that where the virus is spreading. You can see where it's, um, where it's decreasing, where it hasn't hit yet. And one thing that's very troubling is that it shows on the map the west coast of Africa around, I believe it's Senegal, Nigeria, Ghana, what have you, that it's... There are major major clusters there that's been that's been revealed through this global surveillance. You also see clusters popping up in Central America and South America. So when we talk about a pandemic, people the media seem to talk about you know North America, Europe, or China, or countries along you know South Korea, what have you, and seems and it seems to be overlooking a lot of the Latin American or South American African countries that are experiencing this. I know there's an outbreak taking place in Iran at this moment, and that actually leads to a conversation where people are asking me about the comment that President Trump made in regards to will Iran have its sanctions lifted, and the 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 response was bizarre, and I actually will play a clip of that today, and then on top of that, what I'll do is my next show after tomorrow's African versus Black American, the mythology of it all. It's going to be uh, COVID nineteen, carnage, confusion, and chaos. So let's go on. To, so also the next uh, video you'll be hearing on the videos you'll be hearing on this, uh, this episode will be a coronavirus outbreak. America's changed the face in the COVID-19 pandemic fight. Next will be a doctors and nurses revealed the devastating reality of the COVID-19. And also you hear a video from Al Jazeera as many flock to Florida for spring break despite COVID-19 warnings. So let's get on to this clip since we only have 45 minutes. I'd like to get as much in. So let's go with Al Jazeera's clip where they talk about the people who are violating the stay at home as the kids are going, going down to the beaches, especially in Miami, for spring break. Take it away. It's a dream destination for millions of tourists and one of Florida's largest employers. Now the streets, rides, and car parks of Disney World in Orlando are deserted. The company's now putting its resources behind food distribution, but in other parts of the state, it's a different story. In Miami, university students on their spring break are blatantly ignoring warnings about gathering in large crowds. The governor of Florida has told them to knock it off but many seem unconcerned about the health risks. We need a refund. This virus ain't that serious. It's, serious. it's more serious things out there like hunger and poverty, and we need to address that. What is there to do here other than go to the bars or the beach, and they're closing all of it? It's really messing I think they're blowing it way out of proportion. On Florida's West Coast, too, tourists and locals appear blissfully ignorant of the dangers of the pandemic. The Jordan family, visiting from Tennessee, wrongly believe the whole crisis is a hoax. There's a lot more people die from the flu and a lot more people die from swine flu than any coronavirus probably will ever kill. Everybody's going to get it eventually. It's a viral infection. Parts of Miami Beach are now closed, but stiffer measures may be needed. It's hard to believe this far into the crisis there are some that appear unconcerned with the pandemic. 
While the young are less at risk, they're not exempt. They may not get critically ill, but they could also be carriers for the more vulnerable. Florida thrives on tourism, but the crowds we're seeing here aren't helping. Even President Trump, who until a few days ago was playing down the risks, says young people are taking irresponsible chances. We don't want them gathering, and I see they do gather, including on beaches and including in restaurants, young people. Uh, they don't realize that they're feeling invincible. I don't know if you felt invincible when you were very young, but uh, they were feeling totally invincible or are feeling that way, but they don't realize that they can be carrying lots of bad things home to grandmother and grandfather and even their parents. Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis has warned people not to gather in groups of more than 10. It's a warning that few here seem to be heeding. Adigala Karajazura, Miami, Florida. It's crazy out there, right? You have people out there hanging out like it's okay and, my God. <laughs> you know, man, just took, you know, the bubonic plague killed about an estimated 50 million people in today's numbers. And you have kids out there hanging out, just chilling. You know, they don't think it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's serious. You know, they think it's overblown. So I guess when they see these death numbers being reported of people pretty much expiring as a result of coronavirus, I guess that's okay to them. That doesn't indicate anything. So, you know, yet again, on the other side of the coin, if you look around the country and you take videos or you see pictures of beaches such as when I was in Santa Monica a couple weeks ago, I took some pictures down there. Yes, I had my mask on. Yes, there was social distancing. Even the McDonald's had uh, social distancing markers. They had a police cro- don't cross line in front of the counter, though. Yeah, I don't know what I was about to say. But they had a police line, don't cross um, in, in front of the counters. You had to stay six feet apart. Even Ralph's is doing that. Ralph's is like a, de- a ghost town at night when you go out there. Downtown L.A. is like a ghost town. Santa Monica uh, Pier, when I was down there again, as I previously mentioned, I was taking pictures down there, and there was hardly anybody out there. All you saw was literally the, essentially the police scouting to make sure there's nobody on the beaches. You would see people walking alongside the beach on this the little walk path they have while people riding the bikes or jogging. But on the beach, ghost town. I mean, I was taking videos and I saw people in the shadowy outlines just saying, okay, those are zombies who are still wandering around and the helicopter above me is circulating to make sure they keep a track of these zombies, what have you. My imagination runs wild, so what can I say? But there's even talk right now, I'll see if I'll kick that in our next episode, where a gentleman, uh, Dr. Fucci, Fucci, I'm probably killing his last name, but you've seen him on all over the, the media right now, uh, in reference talking about this pandemic. He's talking about this, and I may have been him, I might be accrediting to him, but it might, this might be accredited to somebody else, because I came across in the article that this virus could actually be a seasonal um, event, where it's never totally rat- eradicated, that essentially it will return at a particular time every year, like flu season, what have you. And it's interesting because I was watching Miss Laura Chan. I believe that's her. Not Laura, not Laura Chan. I've watched her shows as well. She's got some good information. Uh, no, this young lady, Kim Iverson, was talking about a couple weeks ago on one of her shows. Like, it escapes which one she was, uh, what episode it was. But she was referring to, she highlighted that she had a friend a couple weeks ago, weeks ago, I mean months ago, who was coughing, who had to wake up in the middle of the night saying she had problems breathing, that essentially she thought she was choking. I'm probably using a different word that she was using, but... She was exhibiting systems that people get when they are infected with coronavirus. And she's wondering, and a lot of other people are wondering and have me thinking, is that had California experienced this months ago before it started to explode the way it is right now, right? Because Miss Iverson, she showed a video. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. Kim Iverson, right? Real cool lady, real cool lady. Um, and her shows are very, are very fascinating. I don't know how she's able to put out some videos she does. 
but much love to her. She put up a map that showed where the explosion of the virus or outbreaks were taking. And it was over, overlaid onto a map of the Earth that was projecting the Earth via its radiation of heat. You know, the hottest it was, the, the more red it was. The coolest it was, the more blue it was. The in-between it was, it was more along the line of yellow. And it was fascinating that the map showed, if you followed the yellow track or band that encircled the planet, that was a, a reference to degrees of, I don't know if it was 40 degrees Celsius. I'm not good with, with uh, you know, Celsius and all those stuff, what have you. But it was essentially, it was an area that was very cool, about maybe 40 degrees degrees, what have you, and it showed that along that entire band, you saw the major outbreaks. You saw a few outside the cut, but it showed made all the outbreaks were within that band, and it highlighted Turkey and Iran, and she was wondering if maybe Turkey was lying about the number of people that were actually infected and dying from this, because Iran was in that same band, and it's been reported that they have a major outbreak going on over there. Now, I see a couple of y'all asking me, could you play that? You know, can we hear that clip of Al Jazeera talking to Mr. Trump that you've been that we've been hearing about when he talks about the Iran sanctions, what have you? You know, I will. All right, because I had like a good amount of you asking to hear it. And also, I want to say thank you to all you have written in. Written in has been challenging even speaking, right? Who have written in to show the love and thank you for your patience. You know, as a teacher, a couple weeks ago the school closed down within. With, we had to close down within two hours' notice. Literally around. 1.30, essentially around 1.30, 2 o'clock, the word went out, the school was closing down, and it was a mad rush to get all the students the codes and all the students found who had laptops and get the message to the parents, come pick them up. It, it was chaos. So that was one of the reasons why I wasn't able to even get online a lot as much as I would like to earlier on a couple weeks ago because it's just been a challenge. Now, distance learning isn't really a struggle for me because most of my students are used to my giving tests online, whether it's in the class, they can use a cell phone, or they can do the work at home. So 99.9% of my students have cell phones. And most of them, a good amount of them have computers at home, laptops, what have you. Especially my debaters, because most of them use laptops anyways, or their phones or tablets. So I am working to make sure that those that don't have access have been done to the school and they're getting on Chromebooks. Now, uh, what I'm going to do is this. All right, for all you all, yes, thank you again. I'm seeing like about a good 200 text messages here. Uh, I'm sorry, in my chat. So, yes, I'm back. Thank you so much for your patience. I'm doing another show tomorrow. I may start doing several shows in one or two days and just upload them so we can have a steady stream going on because I'm not able to have a great conversation with a lot of you all out there in, in the in the, nether, the uh, Internet space, right, because the, the, just, the, broadband, the broadband is just being overwhelmed downtown, I'm sure it may be in your area, so you may, may be noticing slower download speed or what have it may be. All right, uh, one of the aspects of this is doctors out there who are fighting this pandemic, and it's when you hear about what's happening on the front lines per se, you know, the analogy has been made that this is a war and what have you. Well, you know, I have friends that went to war. It's critical, but what I don't like is these politicians taking this event to say, you know, I am now the war governor. I am now the war president. It's, come on, all right? This is a crisis. This is a pandemic. This isn't the time to grandstand and say, yeah, you're the, I'm the war president. No, come on. Be a leader during this time of crisis. And many, many governors and mayors and town city councils are, are taking a lot of leadership roles where some leadership hasn't been displayed uh, righteously. So this next clip I'm going to give for you has to do with us. And uh, doctors and nurses reveal the devastating reality of the COVID-19. 
And essentially, it was posted up April 4th, 2020. I believe it was, yes, on the Atlantic's uh, YouTube page. Go check it out. There's a link in my description, so you can just click on there, check it out. And essentially, the description goes, chaos, fear, dwindling stockpiles of equipment, impossible choices, patients dying alone. These are some of the things that healthcare professionals describe facing while fighting the COVID-19 pandemic. Over the past week, we spoke with doctors, nurses, physician assistants at some of the hardest-hit hospitals in the nation. In a new documentary from The Atlantic, they bring us their devastating new reality. This segment was produced by Emily Butter, animator Annalise Pastor. There's some great animation, so I really encourage you to go check it out. It was edited by Jeremy Rapp, production manager Braun Jimenez, head of production Ashley Boom Kenny, Boom Kenny and executive producer Cassia Sierplak Mayer. Go check it out. I hope I pronounced the name correctly. It's an awesome, awesome production. All right. Uh, there are times where you may hear silence. That's actually, you hear some music just playing in the background. The thing what's happening is that the great animation done by Annalise Pastor is being displayed. So I really encourage you. Again, I placed the link in the bottom of the description of this episode. And several doctors are speaking. I'm going to read off their names. Um, not exactly, and so you know who who's who's. Some people speak more than once, so they don't even put them in again. And you may hear some uh, acronyms such as PPE. Well, that stands for Personal Protective Equipment. And say that's goggles, disposable, full, full face shields, and 95 respirators and gloves. Now, in the background, you're going to hear sirens here and there because we are literally by the window of our studio. And there have been some crises taking place downtown. So don't think it's the police coming after me saying I'm violating some stay-at-home order. Don't think it's uh, there's a riot going outside the window. It's just that the EMTs, we have to give some love to them because they're really on the front lines. And they've been exposed to this a lot sooner than many other people believe, along with our health care um, um, fighters out there on the front lines. So the people you want to hear is Calvin Sun. He's an emergency, emergency physician. Darian Sutton, emergency physician in New York, New York. Robert Gore, emergency physician in New York. Dara Cass, emergency physician in New York. Stephen McDonald, emergency physician in New York. Trevor Parr, emergency physician in New York. Mohammed Siyab Hanwar, cardiologist, Louisiana. Calvin Sun, emergency physician in New York, as I said earlier. Nicole Quinn, child care nurse, New York. Daniela Lamas, critical care physician, Massachusetts. A shout out to the hometown. Another person that speaks is Bobby Cheong, radiologist in New York. Uh, Rana Hadwish, uh, pulmonologist in Michigan. It's it's that deep, people. Uh, to continue on, it wraps up with, um, at the, I'm sorry, at the four-minute four mark, you're going to hear, there's text that comes, the, up, that comes up on the video, and essentially it reads, due to shortages, some hospitals have begun sharing ventilators among multiple patients. So continue, John Pearson, emergency nurse, California. Uh, we have Salim Razai, emergency physician, Texas. Megan Srinivas, infectious disease physician, Iowa. Lachman Swami, critical care physician, Massachusetts. And again, we have, uh, I, I, go see the video for yourself. We also have Jeremy Cariello, nurse, New York. And it wraps up with Stephen Benton, physician assistant, Georgia. Let's give it a listen here, all right? I see EMS stretchers lining down the block. Jam-packed waiting room filled with 30 to 40 patients next to each other, coughing, giving COVID-19 to one another. There is physically no more room in the emergency room. You bring any more patients in, then you cannot walk. We had a few patients die in the emergency room because the hospital's full. All I'm seeing are people who are vulnerable, people who are weak, People who are scared. 
and I'm not gonna lie, it's making me scared. You hear about people dying and suffering from it, but it's a whole other thing to see this stuff uh, up close. The proportion of patients that are critically ill, younger, people that look just like us, and older, it's, uh, it's overwhelming. Uh, the morgues are already getting overwhelmed. It just feels like you're standing on the shore looking at a tsunami and the federal government is offering you a life preserver. If you get x-rays every few hours on these patients, you tend to see them get worse in real time. You can actually see those cloudy patches um, increase over the course of one, two, three, four hours. I saw a gentleman in his 70s. He looked really well. When I came back the following day to check his chart, he had, he had passed away within the 24-hour period of time. Uh, you know, they're, they're talking to me like I am talking to you. And then a few hours later, they are, they go into sudden respiratory arrest, they stop breathing, and they need to be intubated. And this is one of the most dramatic things that I've ever seen. So the, so let's think about this, the building is on fire. Where are all the firefighters inside trying to put out this fire, but we're naked, right? Because they didn't protect us. You can see the PPE of other countries, chemical suits, and we are wearing trash bags. I was told that if I had to intubate anyone, um, I would be using a sheet protector with two industrial-sized paper clips and clipping that to my goggles that we were given. Did you feel safe wearing that? Absolutely not. <laughs> We feel like guidelines are changing, not because science recommends they change, but because we just need people and we need warm bodies in the ER. This is very distressing to me because I don't know if this is gonna be the next shift that I go in and I get the virus. There's, there's nothing that differentiates any of us from the people who become devastatingly sick. Um, and and that is, uh, that's scary. I thought I was just out of shape and totally tired from the anxiety of everything that had been going on so quickly. And then I started getting a cough. I was COVID positive. There's a sense of anxiety around the idea that, oh my God, this is positive. And knowing that the disease course is unpredictable. One of my colleagues um, had the disease and we found out that he passed away uh, a week from yesterday. So that's been difficult and that made it all seem too real. Everyone talked about their contingency plans if they did get sick. We've talked about who gets our pets, which is somewhat of an easier discussion than who gets your children. If all of us are calling out sick, there are no more doctors left, there are no more nurses left. I intubated a nurse the other day from COVID-19. We're gonna be faced with this decision of, we've got two patients that need to go on a ventilator or they'll, or they'll die. We have one ventilator. Which one's going on the ventilator? The idea of splitting a ventilator is, is a little contentious right now. If you split one ventilator for two people, you've now taken a tool that gives someone optimal chances of survival and taken that and split that in half. So now two people have suboptimal chances of survival. Are you going to put both of those people on that suboptimal tool, risking both of them um, or are you going to choose?
I definitely did not go into the practice of medicine to play God, and nor do I want to. I just want to treat people as best I can and take care of as many as I can. How are they going to live with the guilt after all of this? Knowing that if they'd had an equipment that could have saved somebody's life, they would have used it, but because they didn't, they watched somebody die. And they chose person A over person B. There was one of my colleagues um, told me this this amazing story where he was talking to a patient who was um, infected. He's talking to this patient and saying, look, would, if this escalates quickly, would you want a breathing tube? Would you want to be on life support? And the patient said, absolutely, I would want that. And then the patient paused and said, but if someone else needs it, give it to them. The intensive care unit is a busy place pre-COVID. What's different now is that we don't have any visitors in the whole hospital. The worst part about COVID-19 is that patients die alone without their families by their side. Just imagine that you're dying alone and you're not able to say goodbye one last time to your parent, grandparent, son, daughter, friend, or really anybody you, you care about. I seriously starting to think that this is really starting to take a toll on me. Um, between seeing people die and like having to work 12, 13, 14 hour shifts, it's like really taking a toll on me now. People are getting tired and worn out, and unfortunately, this is just the very, very start of this thing. I am in a lot of moral distress because I'm not able to help patients the way that I'm accustomed to. I'm simply just trying to mentally stay well enough to take care of them and keep, keep them alive. So that has been a very great moral dilemma for me. You know, it's just a matter of time before I hear that one of my good friends has passed away because of this, because they were working on the front line. And that's what terrified me. Now we've kind of, all kind of resigned ourselves to this is, this is what we do. Yeah, that is, you know, it's really challenging out there for a lot of people these days, as you can hear. You know, I don't think these are stories that are really reported, but you do see nurses and doctors out there who are saying that they feel like their lambs going to the slaughter, being led to slaughter. You hear about, I really need to find that clip where that I can share with you where a governor was said that he told the health the healthcare workers that, or the mayor, you may have to bring your own supplies, use pampers or diapers if you have to as, as a surgical mask, you know, a face mask, what have you, the N95, it's really in short supply. Uh, it's very interesting to hear in New York because a lot of people don't know is, well, recently Robert Kraft of the Kraft Group and also owner of the pa New England Patriots, the um, soccer team and all that stuff as well, he, out of Massachusetts, he went, well, let's, let's go a little back, backwards. About a couple few steps. New Boston expected three million face masks to be delivered to them, right, via ship from China, as I recall. The ship docked in the port of New York. Well, the New York authorities, via the feds, what have you, seized. They impounded all three million masks. And the Secretary of State for Health, or Secretary of Health for that state, everyone however her title is listed, she said yes, it was true. Three million masks. 
So you don't really hear Cuomo and all the Governor Cuomo and all these people talking about that aspect. That now you have states kind of hurting other states. Because that was three million masks that Massachusetts really need. All right, three million masks. So what Rob Kraft said, they were coming from China of all places, which is very interesting, considering the dynamics of what's going on these days. Robert Kraft found that out, and he sent the Patriots jet to go to China, pick up one million masks, and bring it over to New England, to Boston. One million masks. And when the plane was still on the dock, was still on, on the runway, by, you know, by the terminal, after it had landed, they were still unloading it, the governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, I believe so, <laughs> He actually, I believe I know him. I keep that name looks so familiar. I think we went to high school together. Anyway, Charlie Baker went on. He went to the podium on the runway with his team behind, him, what have you, and he personally thanked the Crafts, Jonathan, Robert, the Crafts family, what have you. And he was so emotional, he broke down. He 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 broke down. I don't believe he even. I don't think he even looked up during his speech. He was so wrought with emotion, and that's how serious it is out there. All right, that's how serious it is out there. You have Governor Newsom out here who's talking about that the shortage, I believe, of of medical supplies or whatever, uh, medical supplies and other things. He 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 said he, he's taking ownership of all that. All right, I'm not saying all his policies have been cool, but what I'm saying is that this is what's happening to across the country that media is not really showing a lot of. A lot of people, a lot of people in leadership. But Governor Baker would tell you. He said in the interview. He felt so helpless not knowing how he could get more masks for the state. I believe Rob Gronkowski, this young lady, donated 10,000 masks. You know, Some of my people, when I posted on Instagram, they were like, hey, it should be free. You know, I hope you're not infected. But you know, they should be like not charging us, anything like that, whatever. You heard all kinds of comments. But it's really taking a toll on a lot of people out there. It, it really is. And I just want to say, if you're a health worker, if you're a person being affected by this, a family, if you're a military you know, he wants to talk about the front line as a veteran. People are, are having an idea what our soldiers are going through on the front line. Our military is going through on the front line, these faraway countries. And the sad thing is that it just reminds me almost towards like the previous wars, Afghanistan, Iraq, what have you, or conflicts, if you want to say, is that you don't really see this. You don't really see their suffering on the media. You don't, re- on the media. You don't really see when some are killed by a suicide bomber, some are killed in an ambush, whatever. And how many have died in those conflicts? So my thing is, beyond that, I hope this will show empathy for those who are on the front lines you don't see and are sacrificing every day and sometimes don't have the political support. I hope this shows empathy with countries that don't have health care systems as strong and as robust as the United States or Canada or some of these European countries, whatever it may be. So hopefully, you know, my country, Democratic Republic of the Congo, just came out of a Ebola crisis. You know the World Health World 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 Health World Health Organization was on top of that, but you didn't really see a lot of that in the media until a young lady was infected with Ebola and returned to the United States a couple of years ago during the outbreak on West on the West African region. I believe eleven thousand people died. So we have to be very let's be very cognizant. There are other people who don't have access to face masks, who don't have access to emergency room, who don't have access to emergency care, who don't have access to an EMT, don't have access. To, pretty much anything that's taken for granted here, all right? So when these things take place around the world, whether it's a pandemic or an, out, an outbreak, as you see is happening over there in Yemen, as you see is happening over there 
in uh, Myanmar, what have you, what have you, just around the world. So we're running out of time here. I want to get this last clip in here for you all, and then I promise I will play that clip from that Algie I had with the president. And we'll consider that to be a trailer as what our next show is going to be about. So this one is entitled The Coronavirus Outbreak, America's Changing Face in the COVID-19 Pandemic. And again, I've placed the links to all these videos that you're hearing in my description. So let's take it away. Good evening and thank you for joining us. Canada is expecting a shipment of surgical face masks to arrive in the next 48 hours. It's a much-needed supply, but what's really in demand is N95 respirator masks. Those are proving to be a bit more challenging to get. President Donald Trump warned manufacturer 3M to stop exporting them to Canada and Latin America. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says his government is still in talks with the Trump administration about the importance of keeping essential medical supplies flowing across the border in both directions. But as David Aiken reports, Canada isn't planning any retaliatory measures against a longtime ally. Unlike surgical masks, tight-fitting N95 masks can stop the droplets that may contain the COVID-19 virus, and that makes them a crucial tool for frontline healthcare workers. They're also in short supply, a supply that may get worse after a White House order that a key American manufacturer of N95 masks, that's 3M, must stop exporting them to Canada and Latin America. We need the masks. We don't want other people getting it. Canada is now pressing the Trump administration to reverse that call. Uh, we're also continuing to impress upon countries around the world that they are hurting themselves when uh, they limit the flow of essential goods across their border. Meanwhile, Canadians are helping keep America safe. For example, 1,500 Canadians from Windsor, Ontario, go to work every day in hospitals and clinics in Detroit, Michigan. In Nanaimo, B.C., a mill is working round the clock, turning a special kind of cedar found only in Canada into a pulp that is a crucial ingredient for American makers of protective gear. Our pulp is going into uh, surgical gowns, masks, drapes, all those kind of good things. Trudeau does not want to engage in tit-for-tat export bans. We are not looking at uh, retaliatory measures or uh, measures that are punitive. Uh, we know that it is in both of our interests to continue to work uh, collaboratively and cooperatively, for cooperatively to keep our citizens safe. But Ottawa is ramping up domestic industry to produce N95 masks and other gear. And it's also going to global markets. Up to 8 million surgical masks are en route right now from China. Not only that, but the Canadian government has rented a warehouse in China to help with the acquisition of more made-in-China personal protective equipment. We have been working day and night uh, to source uh, medical supplies for uh, Canadian uh, frontline workers. And of course, this is one of the great ironies of this crisis. Canada is looking for help from a country, China, with which it has been at odds with for much of the last two years, while its best friend and ally next door refuses to help. Robin? David Aiken in Ottawa. Thanks, David. Trudeau will speak with Trump in the days ahead and will likely point out that Canadian nurses work across the border and Canada has supplied the U.S. with test kits and gloves. The U.S. has the most cases of COVID-19 in the world. More than 8,000 people have died, 1,100 people in the last day alone. There's a global competition among countries to secure what they can to fight this pandemic. Germany accuses the U.S. of swooping in and stealing face masks, 
which President Trump is now calling on all Americans to wear in public. But Canada's chief medical health officer says right now they must be reserved for the front lines. Jennifer Johnson reports. The changing face of America in its war against COVID-19. All citizens now being told to wear some kind of protective mask while out in public. The Centers for Disease Control warning that people with no symptoms who talk or even breathe can spread the virus. There's a greater number of people that are asymptomatically infected than we previously thought. The new guidelines are in stark contrast to previous recommendations when government leaders and the World Health Organization downplayed the importance of masks. But a five-year study published Friday in the science journal Nature found that any simple mask blocks 100% of coronavirus droplets and aerosol. You may generate droplets that are invisible. They're so tiny you can't see them, but they're certainly big enough to carry a virus if you happen to have it in you when you're talking. Still, Canada's top doctor says they are not ready yet to issue the guideline. We need to reserve medical masks for healthcare workers. Some of these personal protective equipment is in sort of scarce supply situation and we need to prioritize people who are looking after the sick. Adding to the confusion, President Trump is backing the new CDC recommendation, but says he will likely not wear a mask himself, even as he makes this grim prediction. This will be probably the toughest week between this week and next week. And there'll be a lot of deaths, unfortunately. As hospitals across the U.S. continue to battle masks and other equipment shortages, healthcare workers are comparing their shifts to suicide missions. This is life or death. Every hospital in the state of New York and across the United States to have the supplies they need. But finally, some good news for hard-hit New York, the state with the most deaths. It is getting over 1,100 donated ventilators from China and Oregon. I want this all to be over. It's only gone on for 30 days since our first case. It feels like an entire lifetime. President Trump has still not ordered all states to institute stay-at-home orders as a handful hold off. Along with masks, the White House is still strongly encouraging social distancing as America struggles to get this pandemic under control. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Yeah, people, so it's it's something out there. Look, we only have a certain amount of time here, so again, I'm going to answer all your questions. I'm going to do an episode probably by Tuesday because I see a lot of questions here, so please bear with me. As I try to catch up to speed with all you all, and I really appreciate your patience, and I really pray that you all are doing well out there, staying at home, washing your hands, staying away from people if you're infected, or making sure you don't infect anybody else inadvertently, because as you said, there may be some asymmetric people out there. What that means, essentially, for those that don't realize it and didn't catch what he has said, what mean by asymmetric um, he's turning, talking about those who may have the virus but show, don't show the symptoms of the virus. With it now being discussed and proven that it could actually, it's actually airborne, there was a study they did over in New York where they uh, tested the air of a person in the hospital room of a person that was infected. They found the virus in the air. They did a test of the air in front of the door leading into that room. They found the virus in the air. And it can be passed now not just through coughing, but if you sneeze, even if you breathe in a certain way, it's very it's very scary out there. So I'm not trying to put fear in you. I just want you to take care of yourself because you are valuable. So in our remaining minutes, a lot of people have asked about our next about our show about the the COVID nineteen. So what I'll do <laughs> I really tempted should I at this moment. I really don't want to because I really want to save it for tomorrow. But I did promise. But for you all out there, 
all I can say is please take care of yourself. You have a lot to offer. It's really crazy out there, as I've said before. And for those who have been <laughs> inquiring about this, uh, okay, what I'll do is this. I'll put up a trailer for the next show, for the show in reference to COVID-19, chaos, confusion, and catastrophe. It'll be something along those lines. But in the interim, I want y'all to take care of yourselves. So you can see them being alive and direct. Reaching out to y'all, praying for you all, hoping that y'all are safe. And please, again, take care of yourself. Talk to you later. I'm gone.